0: section ninety-five of mark twain a biography volume two this librivox recording is in the public domain mark twain a biography by albert bigelow Payne. chapter one hundred and ninety-nine winter in vienna they remained two months in vegas until toward the end of september thence to vienna by way of innsbruck in the tyrol where the mountains seem more approachable than in switzerland clara clemens wished to study the piano under lisgetitski and this would take them to austria for the winter arriving at vienna they settled in the hotel metropole on the banks of the danube their rooms a corner suite looked out on a pretty green square the Merzimplatz, and down on the franz joseph Quay a little bridge crosses the river there over which all kinds of life are continually passing on pleasant days clemens liked to stand on this bridge and watch the interesting phases of the austrian capital the vienna humorist potzel quickly formed his acquaintance and they sometimes stood there together once while clemens was making some notes potzel interested the various passers-by asking each one the errand boy the boot black the chestnut vendor, cabmen, and others, to guess who the stranger was and what he wanted. Most of them recognized him when their attention was called, for the newspapers had proudly heralded his arrival and his picture was widely circulated. Clemens had scarcely arrived in Vienna, in fact, before he was pursued by photographers, journalists, and autograph hunters. The Viennese were his fond admirers, and knowing how the world elsewhere had honored him, They were determined not to be outdone. The Neusweiner Tageblatt, a fortnight after his arrival, said, It is seldom that a foreign author has found such a hearty reception in Vienna as that accorded to Mark Twain, who not only has the reputation of being the foremost humorist in the whole civilized world, but one whose personality arouses everywhere a peculiar interest on account of his genuine American character which sways it. He was the guest of honor at the Concordia Club soon after his arrival, and the great ones of Vienna assembled to do him honor. Charlemagne Tower, then American minister, was also one of the guests. Writers, diplomats, financiers, municipal officials, everybody in Vienna that was worthwhile was there. Clemens gave them a surprise, for when Ferdinand Gross, Concordia president, introduced him first in English, then in German mark twain made his reply wholly in the latter language the paper just quoted gives us a hint of the frolic and wassail of that old festkneipa when it says at nine o'clock mark twain appeared in the salon and amid a storm of applause took his seat at the head of the table his characteristic shaggy and flowing mane of hair adorning a youthful countenance attracted the attention at once of all present after a few formal convivial commonplaces the president of the concordia mr ferdinand gross delivered an excellent address in english which he wound up with a few german sentences then mr tower was heard in praise of his august countrymen in the course of his remarks he said he could hardly find words enough to express his delight at the presence of the popular american then followed the greatest attraction of the evening an impromptu speech by mark twain in the german language which it is true he has not fully mastered but which he nevertheless controls sufficiently well to make it difficult to detect any harsh foreign accent he had entitled his speech die schrecken der deutschen sprache the terrors of the german language at times he would interrupt himself in english and ask with a stuttering smile how do you call this word in german or i only know that in mother tongue the Festkneipe lasted far into the morning hours it was not long after their arrival in vienna that the friction among the unamalgamated austrian states flamed into a general outbreak in the austrian Reichstag, or imperial parliament we need not consider just what the trouble was anyone wishing to know can learn from mark twain's article on the subject for it is more clearly pictured there than elsewhere it is enough to say here that the difficulty lay mainly between the hungarian and german wings of the house and in the midst of it dr otto Lecher made his famous speech which lasted twelve hours without a break in order to hold the floor against the opposing forces Clemens was in the gallery most of the time, while that speech, with its riotous accompaniment, was in progress. When that house is legislating, you can't tell it from artillery practice, from Mark Twain's report, Stirring Times in Austria, in literary essays. He was intensely interested. Nothing would appeal to him more than that, unless it should be some great astronomic or geologic change. He was also present, somewhat later, when a resolution was railroaded through which gave the chair the right to invoke the aid of the military, and he was there when the military arrived and took the insurgents in charge. It was a very great occasion, a tremendous episode, he says. The memory of it will outlast all the others that exist today. In the whole history of free parliament the like of it had been seen but three times before it takes imposing place among the world's unforgettable things i think that in my lifetime i have not twice seen abiding history made before my eyes but i know that i have seen it once wild reports were sent to the american press among them one that mark twain had been hustled out with the others and that having waved his handkerchief and shouted hoch die deutschen he had been struck by an officer of the law of course nothing of the kind happened the sergeant-at-arms who came to the gallery where he sat said to a friend who suggested that clemens be allowed to remain oh i know him very well i recognize him by his pictures and i should be very glad to let him stay but i haven't any choice because of the strictness of the order clemens however immediately ran across a london times correspondent who showed him the way into the first gallery which it seems was not emptied so he lost none of the exhibit mark twain's report of the austrian troubles published in harper's magazine the following march and now included with the literary essays will keep that episode alive and important as literature when otherwise it would have been merely embalmed and dimly remembered as history it was during these exciting political times in vienna that a representative of a new york paper wrote asking for a mark twain interview clemens replied giving him permission to call when the reporter arrived clemens was at work writing in bed as was so much his habit at the doorway the reporter paused waiting for a summons to enter the door was ajar and he heard mrs clemens say youth don't you think it will be a little embarrassing for him your being in bed and he heard mark twain's easy gentle deliberate voice reply why livy if you think so we might have the other bed made up for him clemens became a privileged character in vienna official rules were modified for his benefit everything was made easy for him once on a certain grand occasion when nobody was permitted to pass beyond a prescribed line he was stopped by a guard when the officer in charge suddenly rode up let him pass he commanded don't you see it's herr mark twain the clemens apartments at the metropole were like a court where with those of social rank assembled the foremost authors journalists diplomats painters philosophers scientists of europe and therefore of the world a sister of the emperor of germany lived at the metropole that winter and was especially cordial mark twain's daily movements were chronicled as if he had been some visiting potentate and as usual invitations and various special permissions poured in a vienna paper announced he has been feted and dined from morn to leave the homes of the aristocracy are thrown open to him counts and princes delight to do him honor and foreign audiences hang upon the words that fall from his lips ready to burst out any instant into roars of laughter deaths never came singly in the clemens family it was on the eleventh of december eighteen ninety seven something more than a year after the death of susie that orion clemens died at the age of seventy-two orion had remained the same to the end sensitively concerned as to all his brother's doings his fortunes and misfortunes soaring into the clouds when any good news came indignant eager to lend help and advice in the hour of defeat loyal upright and generally beloved by those who knew and understood his gentle nature he had not been ill and in fact only a few days before he died had written a fine congratulatory letter on his brother's success in accumulating means for the payment of his debts entering enthusiastically into some literary plans which Mark Twain then had in prospect, offering himself for caricature if needed. "'I would fit in as a fool character, believing, what the Tennessee Mountaineers predicted, that I would grow up to be a great man and go to Congress. I did not think it worth the trouble to be a common great man like Andy Johnson. I wouldn't give a pinch of snuff, little as I needed it, to be anybody.' less than napoleon so when a farmer took my father's offer for some chickens under advisement till the next day i said to myself would napoleon bonaparte have taken under advisement till the next day an offer to sell him some chickens to his last day and hour orion was the dreamer always with a new plan it was one morning early that he died He had seated himself at a table with pencil and paper and was setting down the details of his latest project when death came to him, kindly enough, in the moment of new hope. There came also just then news of the death of their old Hartford butler, George. It saddened them as if it had been a member of the household. Jean especially wept bitterly. End of chapter one hundred ninety nine. Winter in Vienna, read by John Greenman.